VOC Breakfast powered by MTN. It's go time everywhere you go. The best way to get you going. This is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir. Only on the voice of the Cape. VSC Breakfast powered by MTN. It's go time everywhere you go. So last night we saw the announcement of um, uh, delivered by the uh, the IEC, the outcome of the 2021 local government elections. The IEC revealed the official results. And according to the IEC, the African National Congress achieved a majority of the votes and will now govern 161 municipalities across the country. The Democratic Alliance achieved a majority in 30 municipalities and the IEC's chairperson says that the Encarta Freedom Party is now responsible for about 10 municipalities. But I want to bring this closer to home um, uh, and, and I've, we've made a big thing about this since yesterday already because um, you know we know that the people of Cape Town casted the votes uh, on Monday keeping the Democratic Alliance in power here in uh, the metro and uh, the DA member and mayor-elect uh, Jordan Hill Lewis who is also the youngest mayor recorded since 1994 um, he joins us in studio this morning although he's only just 34 years of age he's also a member of parliament he also served as chief of staff for Helen Zeller when she was premier of the Western Cape uh, Jordan good morning thank you so much for your time very good morning to you and salam alaikum to all of your listeners it's really great to be with you for my first in-studio interview after the election it's really great that's absolutely fantastic so it's another mark for us that we can check um, off of our, of our checklist Jordan obviously with regards to um, congratulations firstly for thank the Democratic Alliance on um, you know getting the metro again I know it, it was it was there was a lot of campaigning a lot of small parties also making you know strides within um, you know especially with communities within on the Cape Flats so um, I must be honest when I saw these political parties coming on I was like okay this is going to be a very interesting election you know we're looking at independent Independents that, that that came on board in areas like Bontyville, we're thinking of parties like the Good Party, like the Patriotic Alliance, the Cape Colored Congress, all of them making strides. And I'm thinking these guys are gonna, you know, they they're gonna come out and 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 do their thing. And then the Democratic Alliance, of course, still took the majority, um, and that obviously also showed clearly with regards to um, you know the governance of of the municipality that people were, were probably okay with that, hence they're casting their vote for the Democratic Alliance. But we've also seen a decline though in the rural areas. Mm, mm, that's true. Yeah, the I haven't spent too much time studying the results in the in the rural parts of the Western Cape, but it's true that most of the municipalities in the Western Cape are now hung councils, which means that uh, no one party has got fifty percent plus one. The DA is still the biggest party in most of those places, but without a majority. So now we've got difficult coalition negotiations the next few weeks, and I think that reflects the exactly what you said. It is a more competitive environment now. Uh, and there are a lot of, of smaller parties popping up, and that does mean more unstable coalitions. And, uh, and so it's going to be a tricky period over the next few weeks to negotiate those coalitions, but I really hope that we can keep DA-led governments, coalition governments in most of those places so that we can keep those small towns as well run as they currently are. But yes, as you said, in Cape Town, we've got a strong, nice, lovely majority, 58.5%, and I really want to thank all of your listeners, all Capetonians, for that very heartfelt support. From the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it, and I will work every day for the next five years to make 
make you proud of your decision to support me and the DA in this election in Cape Town. Right, so let's get into some of the, the hard-hitting uh, questions that came through. So what we did was um, we posted um, the interview that uh, we promoted the interview on our social media and we said to to the to our hundreds of thousands of followers on social media, we said, any questions for Jordan and Lewis, please post it in your inbox as a minute and we'll collate some of those and we'll post it. Obviously, we can't ask Jordan everything um, coming from 100,000 plus people, but there were a lot of duplicated questions. Um, so we could you know, combine them and, and then take it from there. So the one, the one concern that many analysts firstly had, um, many civic organizations had, um, was that they are asking for the new mayor to basically re-look at the MAKO team. Um, they're saying that this MAKO team has perhaps served for a bit too long. Um, that's resulting in complacency. You're seeing um, decisions being made that is not necessarily in the best interest of um, the people of Cape Town. The poor is being neglected and um, they want uh, the new mayor to please re-look at the Mako team. In fact, they went as far as saying replace the entire new Mako team. Is that something on your list? Yes, in the next couple of weeks, I've got to announce my mayoral committee team uh, shortly after the swearing-in ceremony. Let me say that... one of the big reasons I ran for this job was because I really believed that Cape Town needs a injection of fresh energy, some youthfulness, uh, some new ideas, some innovation, and that has to reflect across the board. Uh, so it can't just be the mayor that reflects that. So it's it's great that I've got elected now, and we, I must now make sure that my administration, from the leadership team, uh, downwards also reflect that injection of of new energy and fresh ideas. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that everyone uh, there also has to be some continuity. Uh, uh, you've got to you've got to have some experience in continuity. But but yes, no, I I, I am looking forward to showing reflecting that change and for refreshment in mm. in our team. We're going to be opening up the lines. Uh, if there are any questions that you'd like to ask uh, the new mayor elect, um, he will be sworn in on the 18th of November to officially welcoming him to, into the mayor seat. Um, so if you've got any questions, please give us a call on 021-442-3530. Lachey will be um, taking your calls. You can also WhatsApp us on 829913913 uh, um, uh, Jordan, one of the things that are very contentious in, in fact there are two three contentious issues that i can think of at this point in time but i'm going to break it down in sections so that we can deal with it specifically the one is water that is very very expensive um in terms of what residents have to pay for water we're looking in terms of for example the the, the blue water meter system that is not working in cape town at this point in time people are up in arms about it you know and they're saying it's just too expensive there are unnecessary levies that are attached to it as well what is it that you can do as the new mayor of cape town to work around a plan to have this reduced or looked at to make it a little bit more viable for the people of cape town Thank you. The what we came out of a terrible drought a few years ago, uh, and we realised at that time that in order to future-proof Cape Town, in other words, to protect Cape Town from this happening again, we had to invest many billions of rands more in water infrastructure, new sources of water, recycling wastewater into clean water, as we are doing now uh, out in Makassar. Uh, that that plant is under construction, drilling into the aquifer, 
cutting down alien vegetation around our dams and rivers to save water. So there is an enormous amount of investment that is going into making sure that Cape Town has enough water for the future. And uh, it's important that we do that because all of the predictions is that Cape Town is going to get drier, not wetter. Uh, now, you never know whether those predictions are going to be true. Yeah. You know, we, we know that the weatherman gets it wrong nearly every day, actually. Yeah. But, but those are the formal predictions that Cape Town is going to get drier, not wetter. So we've got to prepare for the worst. And we are spending billions of rands to do that to protect Cape Townians from water shortages in the future. At the same time, let me say, I, my expertise in, is in finance. I've come from, from Parliament where I've seen how working families in South Africa have been taxed to the limit. Fuel levies, VAT, income tax, going up and up every single year. Uh, was it last night or Wednesday night? We just had another significant mm. fuel increase. So I'm always looking for ways to make it cheaper for Cape Tonians, And I will be looking for ways. If there's any way that we can still fund that infrastructure program, investment program, and make it cheaper for Cape Town's working families, I assure you I will be the first one to get out my red pen and start cutting stuff. Mm. Uh, and and I will go through that budget with a fine tooth comb to, to, to look for opportunities to do so. I know in my own family, uh, the, in, in family members I know how tough working families have got it at the moment especially after COVID yeah. two and a half million kept, uh, not kept in South Africans have lost their job so we've got to look for opportunities to make it cheaper for people and I'll always be looking for chances to do that mm. the other thing also and, and I think just on the on the water issue as well I think it's a lot of um, and, and I know you've touched on it where you said you know you're going you will be looking at how it is that you can um Reduce that, especially like with the levies and stuff that's associated with pipe levies and, and all that kind of jazz. But I don't want to hop too much on one of, of the points, um, for example, like the water, because although we've got an hour with you, you know, that there's just so many other things that's coming through even on the WhatsApp line, and I want to squeeze it in. So, so the next one has, has come through, and this was part of, of your pledge and, and campaign during the elections as well, was load shedding. Yes. So a lot of people are saying, you know, that you have pledged that the DA or, in, or the city of Cape Town are looking at ways in terms of how it is that we can work around the load shedding. Mm. You know, so, so talk to us about what are the plans, um, you know, that the city of Cape Town um, has got going. When can we see some rollouts happening? And please tell us that it won't be too much of a cost on our side. Mm. Oh, this is one of the things that I'm most excited about. L let me just start by saying load shedding really outrages me, and I hope that it outrages the listeners as well. We've had it for 15 years mm. in this country. In that same time, we are paying 430% more for electricity. ESCOM prices have gone up 430% in the last decade. We've paid 400 billion rand for two new power stations, neither of which work, mm. and we still don't have power. We cannot hope to grow this economy without electricity. We just can't. It's a, it's a, it's a by definition you won't grow an economy without electricity. Yeah. So we you know all of the talk about poverty and unemployment and all of that is frankly just nonsense until we sort out load shedding. So I am absolutely committed to sorting out load shedding. I think it will be one of the most important things that we can do for Cape Town's economy to help people get back into work after COVID, to help people uh, get out of poverty and into employment. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm uh, it's, you know, it's accurate to say this is an obsession of mine and it's going to start on day one. Now, the way that we do that is by 
uh, investing in uh, uh, purchasing powers f- uh, power from IPPs in so-called independent power producers, which which the regulatory changes now allow us to do, and crucially, investing in storage. That's already why Cape Town is allowed to p- protect you from one level of load shedding because we have a big massive battery basically called Steenbrus hydroelectric pump station Mm. so we've got to invest in more storage so that we can store that extra power that we're buying from IPPs and then give it to the city when there's load shedding so the truly exciting part my focus is on load shedding but if we are buying power from solar power producers and wind power producers we are buying that at a fraction of the cost of what we are paying ESCOM for, for dirty coal power. For example, last week, the, uh, the stage five, uh, round five uh, IPP bids were released. Yeah. The cheapest solar power in that bid is 35 cents a kilowatt hour. Just to give you a comparison, the city is currently paying ESCOM about one rand 67. So we're looking at about, what is that, a, less than a quarter of this price yeah so if we can buy that power cheaper the more we can buy of it the more we can pass that saving on to consumers so actually we we're now entering an exciting future where as we reduce our reliance on escom over time and increase our reliance on renewables over time we can start to pass savings on now that's not going to happen immediately because we currently buy about two and a half thousand megawatts from ESCOM. It's a big city, mm. so you can't just switch that off overnight. Uh, that takes a lot. That takes a long time. But we just got to slowly do that: increase the renewables and decrease the um, decrease the ESCOM. Mm. Okay, but now also just I want to st- just stick on to be- before we go for for our news and and commercials and traffic. Um, there was there was one thing that I think is important that we also need to t- uh, talk about, um, uh, Jordan, and that. Is to get your view on council that's capping prepaid electricity. Um, for example, somebody's rates are in arrears, right? Um, and now I'm talking about people, particularly, and I'm pleased without prejudice, um, was ever listening to us. We look, we're looking at Mitchell's Plain, Manenberg, Hanover Park, Talft. You know, all those people that's living in those areas on the Cape Flats, they go and purchase 100 rand electricity, they get 10 units back, right? 10 elect- for 100 bucks. You get 10 units. We go to the city, we say, hey, what's going on here? The city say, oh, because your rates are in arrears, right? Now, don't get me wrong, and I've spoken to a family that said, we're not denying that our rates are in arrears, you know, but because of circumstances, this and this and this is the issue. The problem that the family had was, is that nowhere on the rates paper does it indicate to say, we have taken 90 units away from you, for example, for example, 90 units. Let's just talk about, let's just work on round figures here. You're the finance expert, not me. <laughs> um, so let's say, for example, you used to get 100 units for 100 rand, but now you are getting 10 units for 100 rand, which means 90 units have been taken away. But that 90 units are not being displayed on your rates paper. So there's no recollection for, these, for this family to go and say, but you've taken a 90 rand or, an, or, or 90 units from me when I purchased that. And so the capping of electricity at this point in time, Jordan, it is not a viable option in the, in the economy that we're finding ourselves. Our people are struggling let alone so, so they buy it in fact right now you're buying electricity escom switches your electricity off what are you buying actually 
Do you know what I mean? So there's a lot of frustration that is building um, with regards to that. But just to simplify the question, what is it that you can do for our people and anybody, mind you, for that matter, that has a problem with the capping of electricity because you are basically paying for something that, that, that you know, the city is just willy-nilly taking from you? Okay, no, the city is not willy-nilly taking it. They're taking it if you are in arrears, only if you're in arrears. Now, let, let, let me just say that the reason that Cape Town works, the, the reason that Cape Town has service delivery that is a well above average of the rest of the country is this is the only city that is well run financially that can say that no money is stolen money is well spent that there's enough in the bank to cover our costs now the you know that we, we've got the announcement the other day that 106 of south africa's municipalities nearly half of south africa's municipalities are falling over they're going bankrupt the the towns are crumbling the, they're under administration or they're about to be put under administration. That is not ever going to happen in Cape Town because we look after the rands and cents. So we can't simply, simply stop collection of arrears. If we did that, Cape Town would, would start to topple over very, very quickly because then people would just, just simply stop paying. So we've got to make every effort to co- uh, collect those arrears. But what I do like about what you're saying, and I will look into this, is that the the rates bill should reflect that. The, the rates bill should reflect that, that uh, repayment portion. Uh, and, and I don't know why that isn't happening, but I will absolutely uh, look into it and make sure that it does happen. Uh, but, but just to say that every single person needs to pay their rates bill, uh, and we understand that sometimes people go through circumstances which are beyond their control. They lose their job or they lose their loved one. And the city is always open to discuss uh, repayment plans Mm. and to enter into those repayment plans but what we often find what I most often find is that people who uh, are in the situation that you're just speaking about now have never gone to the city out of maybe maybe they're embarrassed maybe they don't know that it's happening Mm. their parent deals with a bill or whatever the case is and they don't know what's happening and uh, and they have made no attempt to discuss this with the city to try and enter into an arrangement. And if they do, then this then this would not happen. Um, and so we really encourage people go down to the city, write to us. We are always willing. To, we are a caring city. We are willing to talk about this and enter into uh, an arrangement. And and then this this kind of thing won't happen. Mm. Now, Jordan, it's gone 28 minutes after 7 o'clock. I want to go for some commercial news. I want to also go for some uh, news at the bottom of the hour. And perhaps we can talk a little bit more about that when we come back after the break because I specifically just want to know, is this even a viable option, you know? Because people are struggling. I understand that the rates bill and all that needs to be paid. Mm. But, you know, getting only 10 units, for example, for 100 bucks, that, that is a bit excessive. I'm sure there's something else that can be worked. Um, around it. I want to go for traffic quickly when we come back. Um, we'll go for our news and all of that kind of chest. Don't go away. VOC Breakfast, powered by MTN. It's go time everywhere you go. The best way to get you going. This is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir, only on the Voice of the Cape.
We are in discussion with uh, the mayor-elect for the Democratic Alliance in uh, the city of Cape Town, uh, Jordan Hill-Lewis. And um, uh, just before the break, we basically spoke about, you know, the, the, the rural areas that didn't perform too well um, yeah, in the Western Cape, but also about uh, somebody saying, like, well, civic organizations talking about the maker member that should be replaced. We spoke about the water issue. We spoke about load shedding that has been, uh, um, you know, uh, it's been going at us for the past 15 years. We also spoke about, you know, that capping of prepaid um, meter accounts the electricity meter accounts. Now, I just wanted to, and I, I, again, I don't want to delve too much on this, Jordan, but in terms of how this capping happens for electri- with, the, with the electricity meters, I don't necessarily think that it is a viable solution to for somebody to purchase 100 and electricity and to only get 10 units. Surely there must be another way that one can work around that. Can you please see what it is that you can do as mayor, um, you know, with your micro member for finance and so forth, to see how it is that we can work around that. Because, like I said earlier, you know, our people, sometimes that's the only thing they have. They're literally sitting with a situation with, with they've got a 10 rand, do they buy electricity, or do they buy a loaf of bread? That is how dire the situation is. So is that something that you can look at? Yeah, I can look at it. I can. And, and I, what I will say is that I'll, I'll sit down with the team next week and look at how that capping works. Uh, it's still absolutely essential, and I, and I hope that we can agree on this, that, that everyone has got to pay their rates and taxes. Yes, 100%. Um, so so that's, that, that we can't, uh, you know, kind of debate, but... but Absolutely, I can look at the capping of that and see what is possible there. I want to, I want to be able to help Cape Townians who are going through really difficult times. Mm. I also just want to reiterate, please, if you are going through a tough time, speak to your local ward councillor, speak to your city office. We can help. There's lots of indigency programs. Cape Town this year alone is going to spend 2.9 billion rand on, on uh, indigency programs. That's free basic services for the poor. That's more than any other city in South Africa by the way mm. that's more than Joburg spends on it even though Joburg's got nearly double the population so mm. we are really trying to help people in tough situations I want to see if I can increase that amount even further for the for, for the coming year for the next financial year uh, and I think we can do that so we're trying our very best to help while still maintaining financial viability and responsible finances in Cape Town. Mm. Okay, so, I, I, and I think also, you know, one of the things, and I've been saying this to my producers um, as well, you know, is that, you know, when we get Jordan he, he Lewis in studio with us, he, he speaks to us about this, he's, he says he's going to be doing this, but it's important also for us as a media um, to, to call Jordan up, Every, with, with this once a quarter, mm. you know, come and join us in studio. Give us feedback in terms of these things. We don't, we don't expect, and I think it would be very unreasonable for us to think that if you can walk out of the studio tomorrow, things need to happen. But, I mean, a quarter, surely something should have happened. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, and I think that is the relationship that we need to build up between, between us and, and yourself as well. Um, Perfect. Let me just say, I'm totally happy with that. I, I, I would love to come in regularly, and I've taken notes of these things, and I can give you feedback on that either via email or I can come back and do it in person, and I'd love to do that. I, you've got an open door uh, with me and, and to the mayor's office. Fantastic. I appreciate that. I'll keep you on speed dial. Let's talk about the spatial planning, um, you know, the housing issue here in Cape Town. We know that the national government has released, uh, you know, pockets of land earmarked for development back as far as, as 2016, and we know as part of the good part, 
party where Patricia DeLille um, is the leader. She went out to, I think it was Rulan Street, uh, where she basically earmarked this piece of land since 2016. No development has been happening there. I mean, she was sitting in the same seat where you were sitting, and I said, but you were mayor at the time. You know, why didn't you also do something about it? And then she obviously explained what the politics were around it as well. But we need to start or stop blaming one another. Things need to start happening mm. because our housing list is increasing. In every municipality, in every housing office, there are always issue, issues with backyard dwellers, with people not having sufficient housing, and also the quality of that. But let's look at the spatial yeah. housing issue at this, uh, at this point first. Yeah, so the very first commitment that I made, and every time, if you go back and look at what I've, when I've spoken about this in the campaign, every time I spoke about this, I started with my commitment. I yeah. first do say what I'm gonna do before I ask someone else to do something else. And so what I said was that my commitment is for the faster release of well-located city land for more affordable housing for Cape Tonians. So the city's got a whole lot of these, these little pockets of land, uh, old buildings, open parking lots, whatever, that we can release for more affordable housing and we must, must do that. And uh, I'm going to absolutely focus on this and, and unblock that drain to, to, to speed this up. Mm. At the same time, the, the request was, if you add up all those little pieces of land around the city, the, the big pieces that the massive army bases that, um, that national government owns, which are not used, mm. are 72 times the size of all of those city pieces combined. So we are talking about, you know, a, a mouse and an elephant here yeah. in, in terms of comparison. So I'm going to do my part. I'm going to release those pieces of land faster and I'm committed to doing this. I want more Capetonians to have access to housing, to get out of poverty, to get the opportunity to own an asset. What an amazing blessing to, to be able to get that title deed. Uh, and, and I'm really committed to that. Mm. But can we also get other levels of government doing their part. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's my request. Uh, it's not blaming, it's a request. Uh, I want to work together. We can make a real difference to the housing shortage in Cape Town if we can get even one of those massive pieces of army land. Mm. Uh, and let's be honest, we've got, we're, a, we're a medium-sized city with five army bases. What on earth do we need five army bases in a medium-sized city for? These are, these are army bases that have been there since World War I. Wow. We don't need them anymore. Let's come on. Let's mm. unplug, uh, unblock that and uh, and make a big difference. Cool. So, so that's talking about the spatial housing um, uh, issue here in uh, 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 in Cape Town in particular. But when we come back, another point with regards to housing is something we're going to be talking about with uh, the um, mayor-elect Jordan Hill Lewis, um, and of course he'll be sworn in on the 18th of November. This is his first interview since um, uh, the. Victory for the Democratic Alliance in-studio interview here on VSC Breakfast. So you heard it here first. 21 to 8 o'clock, some commercial news. When we come back, we continue. VSC Breakfast, powered by MTN. It's go time everywhere you go. Get your day started right. This is VSC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir. Only on the Voice of the Cape. 
91.3 FM DSC Breakfast powered by MTN. It's go time everywhere you go. 17 to 8 o'clock. We're in discussion with uh, the um, new mayor elect uh, for the city of Cape Town, uh, Jordan Hill Lewis. He will be sworn in on the 18th of November. Jordan, so we spoke about the spatial planning and the commitment that you've made, uh, that, that you made with regards to looking at spatial planning for housing, particularly here in, the, in, in, in Cape Town. Now, the one thing, and again, you know, when Auntie Pat was here, I, I spoke to her about exactly the same thing, and this is with regards to District 6. So this has been a contentious issue since democracy. Um, nobody, unfortunately, is taking responsibility for this. It is laying in the in the lap of, of the city of Cape Town, but there's only certain things that the city can do, and then there are certain things that we need to wait for national government, etc., etc. But everybody, it, there's nobody taking responsibility, and people are shifting blame. And as a result, the people of Cape Town and the rightful owners that were evicted through the Group Areas Act back under the apartheid regime, they, people are dying. You know, they are not benefiting mm. from moving back to District 6. What is the city under your leadership going to do to enhance and to ensure that this process is going to be sped up and very quickly, mind you? So let me say that uh, I've discussed this at length with Helen, who worked on this issue for nearly 10 years, uh, variously as mayor and premier. Uh, I even discussed this issue with Patricia back in the day, who was working on this issue as well. And it is such a... There's a wonderlijke weeskap of word. It's such a tamaleki. Mm. It is just... It is difficult. It is slow moving. And the, the core problem is, I'm afraid to say, that... The, the project was taken over in the early 2000s by the National Department. And so the city has a, our normal planning uh, role to play. If you want to build a house or build a garage on your house, you, you must submit plans and so on. We have our normal planning role to play, but we are not the main developer at the, in the District 6 um, restoration project. It's, mm. it's the National Department. And it is dragging and dragging. So all I've said in this campaign, and I do mean this seriously, if there are any examples of where the city is slowing the process down through the planning uh, through the planning procedures, then please, I need to know the details of that, and I will absolutely make sure that, that we do not slow the process down. But we are not the main developers anymore. We're not the main uh, delivery agent, so to speak. It is, it is the national department, and uh, so our, our role is through our planning department. But if people can let me know if there are any uh, specific examples i don't just need general you know the city hasn't um, the city hasn't gone fast enough uh, specific examples that the city has slowed the process down mm. i'll absolutely work on that and and i think that this is important um, you know like district 6 is home to Man, to it's many it's very important it's very know? important when I, every every time i see that empty land there it's just heartbreaking yeah in the heart of our city with all of those elderly people who who are beneficiaries and as you say many of whom we are losing uh, month by month uh, without without uh, going back to to that uh, beautiful corner of the city mm -hmm. so no it is very important now um, what I want to do is I want to invite uh, people to get into our Facebook page quickly um, I'm gonna go live because on, on Facebook as well because I want to um pose some of the questions that came through from our listener um, on Facebook as well. So please get onto VSC's Facebook page. We're going to do that for just about five or so minutes and then uh, we will continue to, with our discussion. So we are in discussion with uh, the um, new mayor-elect, that of course uh, being Jordan Hill-Lewis. Now Jordan, the, the other thing is, and I think this was a very 
if I think about it now, you know, um, in fact, even at the time, um, it was a very, uh, not blunt, but I don't know what the, 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 the city council was thinking actually at the time. The the issue with um, sections of the of of the, of the bylaw dealing with noise pollution, dealing with the adhan, you know, the call to prayer, whether it was the adhan, the church bells going, or whatever, you know, with religious institutions, that in itself, you know, there was a call for that bylaw to be amended, and it yeah. was literally just a line that needed to come out of that section. I think it was section three or twenty three or something, if memory serves me correctly. The city is, uh, you know, it, it, it came up a couple of weeks before the elections. That didn't sit well with, with the Muslim community. Um, what is it that you can do to ensure that this process also be sped up? And I'm gonna, the reason I'm asking you this, back I think in 2016, the issue raised is the first time. The city promised to have this bylaw amended. In 2019, the same thing happened again. The city promised again, we're going to have this bylaw amended. Now they went again amend um, a bylaw that deals with vagrants, but there's somehow a linkage between the two between the two um, sub bylaws or subsections of the bylaw. Um, why is it that it wasn't, for example, amended one time? You know, because at this stage, if somebody finds the adhan or the church bells to be a nuisance. They can still call law enforcement and law enforcement will have to go out to go and check it out because the bylaw has not been amended. So is this something that you can please prioritize as well? We've been promised this now on three occasions already. A simple answer. Watch this space. We are going to sort it out quickly. I, I, I honestly don't know why it's taken so long. Uh, sometimes you, you, you hear these things and you've kind of just shrug yeah uh, but there's there was a decision to sort it out we've got to go through a public participation process and as you said it's a small amendment and it can be done quickly and it will be done quickly the 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 only thing I would say I live in a part of the city where I'm sure many people around the city are seeing this actually you see it on the uh, Black River Parkway uh, you know next to the river there yeah. on on Sundays as well there's there's churches that are starting to uh, hold their church services on open fields next mm, to roads mm. and so on and they have these loudspeakers and I literally have it in Edgemead where where I live mm. um, and that's not right because they you know they're starting at six o'clock in the morning they're blasting those speakers and it's not a church it's on an open park or it's on an open field yeah. or so that kind of thing can be so there must be a way to deal with that concern uh, it's not it doesn't have to always be done as a as a, a noise nuisance complaint. It, we've got to figure out another way to deal with that concern. To go and speak to those those religious leaders, to you know ask them to find a community hall or yeah. uh, or, or something like that. But it the we can find an alternative dispute resolution mechanism and uh, put that in there for where there are legitimate concerns but otherwise it can absolutely be sorted out okay so, so i'm glad that um, you know we we've got the the new mayor elect um, you know to to basically look at this uh, because a lot of people are asking about this bylaw um uh, to be amended now surely i mean uh, when, when you came into the studio this morning um jordan you know the the first thing that you came in you said good morning and assalamu alaikum and that gave me the impression that you know that there are um you, you know that you understand the muslim voters here in cape town you know that there are people you know, from our community that do vote for the Democratic Alliance because of the services that, that the Democratic Alliance or the MAKO has delivered over the, uh, yeah. over the next five years. But one of the things that, um, you know, these very same Muslim voters um, have something 
very in common with many people across South Africa, across the world, is the Palestinian issue. And that is something that obviously has come through on the WhatsApp line where the people wanted to know because, and I take you back not too long ago, um, you know, council came down, uh, in Salt River Woodstock area, and they painted over Palestinian flags and, and, and freedom, um, you know, uh, positive messages of Palestine. They painted over it and they, and they said this is, this is vandalism. But in the very next row, there's graffiti of normal people sitting and listening to music and whatever, and they think, ah, this is freedom of speech you know so what is your stance with regards to the DA stance with regards to the issue of Palestine because this is um, you know has been going on for far too long um, the first thing and the second thing is also the Muslims of Cape Town would want to support a political party that can understand the oppression that is happening towards the Palestinian people Okay, well, there's quite a lot of issues uh, in there. So let me, let me just start by saying, uh, I'm, I'm a, you know, I've grown up in the church uh, in 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 my local community, and my faith is very important to uh, to my life, and uh, so I have a deep understanding of how important the religious community is to improving society. There are some things government can do, and we can do those things well delivering services and you know building better schools and hospitals and so on but there's some things that government can never do that the religious fraternity has to help us with and that is uh, you know healing people's broken families uh, intervening in in broken marriages and uh, with drug addiction and so on so so I, I I really love part of what is what makes Cape Town so amazing is that we have this incredible diversity of, of religious freedom and religious backgrounds and cultural diversity and historical diversity so I really appreciate this community I really understand it uh, very well I understand the values because it's exactly the same values let's be honest uh, the you know the, the values of family uh, the values of respect for God uh, respect for authority those those are those are values that we share across religion uh, and so I really understand this community uh, also we've you know uh, I'm, I'm a Cape Town politician. This is this has come up in every election, um, and we've always said very clearly, uh, very explicitly, we absolutely support the right of of the state of Palestine, Palestine to exist. We support a two two state solution. Uh, the as, as long as it is able to exist alongside in peace with uh, with with another secure state of Israel, then then absolutely, then you know that's our position, and I think that's the responsible position taken by most informed people around the around the whole world on this issue. Uh, but let me also say that the vast majority of Cape Townians, even though this issue keeps being raised in every election as a way to try and exploit people's religious views for a political end, which I think is a terrible thing to actually do. Uh, this, this, this issue keeps being exploited every, every election, but every election, the vast majority of, of uh, Cape Townians of the Muslim faith support the DA because they care about who is going to actually govern Cape Town well. Uh, and so it's wonderful to see results like uh, us winning on Monday for in, in Burkop on the on the PR ballot. Uh, and, you know, the, the, this is an area where this issue is, a, is, is probably the biggest issue in or the, the biggest area where this is an issue in Cape Town. And, and still the DA wins there because most people care about who is actually going to run the city well for our kids, who's going to make this a place where our futures are secure, where uh, we can have a sense of hope and optimism for the future future mm -hmm. and where we do things that are that are caring and based on the right values and we share those values 
uh, and and that is why uh, we you, you know this this community is so supportive. I think, um, Jordan, just on the Palestinian issue. I mean, uh, Palestine, Palestine has existed for many many years, and I think the discussion around a two-state solution is something that have that, that have passed a long time ago. You know, um, the right to Palestine is you know about the oppression that is happening in Palestine, and and, and I can understand also where you are coming from. But I think that particularly around the issue of the two-state solution thing, I think that that is a long time past. We wanted to, to, to see, you know, from, from many other politicians, mind you, as well, you know, that they take a strong stance against, you know, the, the oppression of, 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 of the Palestinian people. You know, it's a situation where you said you lived in Ijmeed. I mean, imagine I come to your house and I just, you know, open up your gates and I'm like, right, I'm living here now, you know, and then everything else must just follow suit. Um, the, all, all hell will break loose, you know. So I think we need to, you know, the Democratic Alliance need to take a, a, a firm stance with regards to the Palestinian issue. There are many people that is coming out and speaking against the DA because of the stance that they're taking with regards to Palestine. I need to wrap up, and I know you've got another interview that that, that you need to go to as well. But I've just got one or two more questions quickly that You're came welcome. through. Um, the one was, can you please ask the the, the new mayor elect as to whether the policy at the city of Cape Town to block ratepayers will be public, um, and if he think it is the right thing to do what, do, what does he mean by block rate pays I've got no idea I'm, I'm reading it as it says ask the new mayor elect whether the policy um, at the COCT to block rate payers will be will be public I'm, I'm afraid I'm not sure yeah. what the what the listeners are referring to. If you can send me more details, I'll happily look, happily look into it. Okay, cool. No problem. Then there was also <laughs> one that uh, also came through here on the WhatsApp line, and I think this is important as well, Mayor. Um, that is what. Oh, maybe the, uh, maybe he's talking about blocking them on social media. Is probably, that what he means? Probably. Is that what he means? Let me is, just say my, that, yeah. my let me just say what my policy is. If there's any swearing uh, or a vulgarity yeah. um, or ugliness or abuse, I will use the block button. So uh, let me just send that message out. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not, you know, I, d I don't like vulgarity and, and the use of foul language and that kind of mm. thing on social media. You don't need to. You can, you, you can make your point firmly and strongly yeah. and you can do so with respect. And we will all, uh, I will do that always. I will make my point firmly and strongly, but with respect. And I expect that from other people as well. That's just common. Yeah. We are humans. I think That's you need to be decency. courteous. Yeah. yeah. So I will, if that happens, vulgarity, profanity. Mm. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Jordan Lewis actually said to me that he will he will stay for another five minutes, Musla, after the after the news. So um, I want to go for a quick break because he's got another interview at ten past. I've got just one or two more questions, and perhaps you can squeeze it in very quickly. People are saying, listen, uh, you, you spoke about the ward councillors earlier, but people are saying, but our ward councillor don't answer phones, never in the office, can never get a hold of them. What do they do? No, that is not right. Let me say, we are. We pride ourselves on what we call the DA difference. Uh, so that is that difference that you see when you drive into a DA town and you know, oh, here, here there's something different. Things are working. There's good service. We expect professionalism from our public representatives and availability. And so they absolutely must be getting back to residents. They must be uh, answering queries and following up on these things. If they're not, I want to know about it, please. That doesn't mean that, that residents should please be unreasonable. Remember, uh, ward councillors are humans too. They have, they have families. They have mm. family time. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've got phone calls, of someone calling at 3 a.m. or... or uh, calling at unreasonable times with, with small things. It's not an emergency. Yeah. And there is an emergency line if it is a real emergency. Uh, so so uh, uh, 
be reasonable, but absolutely from our side, the standard that we set, we want to be better than anywhere in South Africa. We want our public reps to be available and transparent and professional. Mm. And if that's not happening, please let me know. Fantastic. Let's go for um, a quick break. We also go for our news at the top of the hour. When we come back, we're going to wrap up with Jordan Hill Lewis. He's the new mayor-elect here for the city of Cape Town. You heard it here first on VOC Breakfast. VOC Breakfast, powered by MTN. It's go time everywhere you go. The best way to get you going. This is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir, only on the Voice of the Cape. I can confirm that Jordan uh, is who is the new mayor-elect for the city of Cape Town. Jordan he Lewis is still in studio with us. I've got three more minutes left with him, but I can confirm that he absolutely loves the the VOC Breakfast jingle. Every time it goes, and you can see the shoulders going as well with it. So that's fantastic, um, uh, Jordan. So the last few minutes of the show, I thank you for staying on for another few minutes. I. I'd really just like to to hand the microphone over to you in a sense, you know, in terms of your accessibility as a mayor. People want that, firstly. Secondly, you know, um, turnaround time for service delivery, um, will it be prioritized? So I'm going to hand the microphone over to you. Uh, Please, again, remind people, as the new mayor-elect for the city of Cape Town, what it is that you will bring. Thank you so much. I've loved this opportunity. It's been a great chat this morning. Thank you for the questions. I'm happy to come back whenever you want me to. There will be an open door with the media and with the public, and uh, hopefully, you know, people will will send through good suggestions and good ideas. And I've got absolutely no problem. In fact, I think it's very important to to be held accountable. I've come from Parliament where I've spent a lot of time in opposition, so I know a bit about accountability and how important that is. So so thank you for that. Let me just say final word on, on the purpose. What is the purpose of our government going to be for the next five years? It's going to be to make Cape Town a place, a city of pride and hope in our country. There are so many families who are deeply concerned about the direction that our country is going in at a national level. And I want there to be one place in our country where you can look to and say that is what South Africa is capable of, the best of our country, the best of our people, the best Mm. of unity and diversity and working together to achieve something important for our families and for our future. And that is what Cape Town uh, is going to be, or we are going to work very hard to make it that over the next five years. And... uh, and that means that we're going to set high standards, high standards for, for service delivery and availability. And we won't always meet those standards. We will often fall. Uh, but I assure you that when we do, we'll, we'll own up to that failure and we will uh, get back up and try harder. And that's my, that's my uh, commitment to you. Thank you so much for the chance. Thank you very much for the opportunity this morning. I'm a mayor-elect for the city of Cape Town, Jordan Hill Lewis. Um, that joined us here from 7 o'clock this morning here on VOC Breakfast. His first interview here um, as uh, being elected as a mayor. Um, uh, we're going to go for some commercial news. When we come back, we continue here on VOC Breakfast.